0: Welcome to today on broadway for friday may 11th 2018 i'm broadway world's matt tamanini and i am broadway stars james marino James, we did the thing yesterday that we were talking about. We threw in another episode uh, here in the Broadway Radio feed at 5.55 in the p.m., not the normal a.m. that this show comes out, and that was Natalie Nowak's first attempt at a theater throwback. The first time we've ever done this as a standalone episode. Natalie looked into the interesting history of Tarzan on Broadway, and actually taught me some things about tarzan itself that i didn't know i didn't know it was a, a like a big dollar collector's item to get the first edition obviously normally it is but even more so than normal so take a listen to that that'll be coming in your feeds uh thursday at 5:55 every week during the summer trying some new stuff uh trying to uh get some more content out there so uh, so that was really fun so make sure that people uh listen to that james what do you have coming up over the weekend on uh this week on broadway
1: part two of our Tony award nomination discussion with, uh, Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Uh, we got some good feedback on part one and, uh, yeah. lots of requests, uh, for <laughs> different discussions on part two. So, uh, looking forward to right. it as well.
0: Yeah, I listened, I listened to it. And, uh, um, the only thing that I will say is, is maybe have a copy of the rules, uh, for the Tony rules. Cause there was a lot of questions about, why certain categories had five and four and six and and stuff, because I think that can help, because it's really confusing to try to do it off the top of your head. (laughs) Ah, you know, we're not so much for the rules things. Rules are made
1: to be broken. (laughs) We should bring in some sort of, uh, you know, arbiter, or some sort of person who knew chess. I was going to say, Bryce Pinkham
0: might be available before, uh, you know. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: All right. me Tarzan. You, Jane. Uh, first really? up in the news. <laughs>
0: well, I couldn't be Jane and call you Tarzan. It wouldn't work. Well, yeah. I was saying you have hair closer to... Well, I, have, I don't have hair, so I guess I can't really be either of them, so that's fine. Mm. Okay.
1: To Kill a Mockingbird, dispute ends. Hmm. How did this end, and why did you spend uh-huh. ends with a dollar sign?
0: Show set for the Schubert Theater. I did not, but I should have. Uh, Yeah. Yesterday, we got a fairly surprising announcement, especially with all of the discussions about changes in venue, 15 day films, staged readings and the like. But the, the statement read in full. This is the entire statement, quote. On May 10th, 2018, Rudin Play and the Estate of Nell Harper Lee amicably settled ongoing litigation concerning the upcoming Broadway production of To Kill a Mockingbird. Written by Aaron Sorkin, the play will be directed by Bartlett Shear and will star Jeff Daniels in the role of Atticus Finch. The production will proceed on schedule with opening night set for December 13th, 2018 at the Schubert Theater. Previews will begin on November 1st, 2018. That's it, James. We got no other information on this at all, not even a mention of some sort of settlement or or what the agreement was, whether the Lee estate gets some sort of additional s- stake in the show or anything. You know, when this suit was originally announced, uh, as the Lee estate felt that Aaron Sorkin's script ventured too far from the spirit of the original book. Uh, I said I think you agreed that this kind of felt like the estate flexing its muscle for some purpose, whether it was financial or otherwise. Uh, I take it by your dollar sign (laughs) comment, James, that, that you think this was simply a way to wring a little bit of extra money out of Rudin then? Well,
1: you know, nobody ever gets a little extra money out of Rudin. I'm sure that there's some sort of very complex deal that involves some sort of payout on the points that are divided by the national deficit and uh, rounded to the nearest pie. Ooh, pie. (laughs) Uh, It's
0: just just surprising, though.
1: Yeah. More important than this, uh, than than the settlement to this, is that – I When I first read the press release from o and M, I I was thinking that uh, – I thought that this actually said that the opening night is set for December 13th at the Rudin Theater.
0: Uh, well, you might as well call it that. I mean the uh, – I actually had this discussion with somebody today, actually with Julie, uh, with Julie Musback. She said, do you think that closing Dolly early had anything to do with him wanting to get To Kill a Mockingbird in there? And I said no because – if a, if a show is making money, you want it to run as long as it possibly can, especially the longer it runs, uh, the less the overhead is because you've already paid investments, whatever. But Rudin works not pr- not exclusively, but primarily with the Schubert. So there's only a certain number of theaters that are available. And of course, you want the crown jewel of the empire um, for a big star driven, high profile show. So I'm not surprised. it's It's a bound to happen. I'm sure it's happened before that one and show would replace another. But the timing of it is a little interesting, especially because people were fairly surprised by Hello Dolly closing when it did, especially because it's still pulling in about a million bucks a week. And there's opportunities to get a bigger star in there um, at some of the, the more difficult times. So I I don't know, James. I mean, I don't think that you know correlation equals causation, but it definitely is something to uh, use that emoji with the guy scratching his chin <laughs> excellent yeah. and uh, before we move on before we move yeah. on though i do want to mention that in addition to daniel's uh to kill a mockingbird is set to star celia keenan bulger will pull in gideon glick latanya richardson jackson stark sands Stephen mckinley henderson and more it's just shocking to me that there's more people because all of those people are amazing and uh this is going to be one that i feel like is a not a can't miss and that it can't be bad because anything can get screwed up in the translations, but I don't think you want to miss this one at all between sheer and Sorkin. And and this cast, it seems like this is one that's going to be high, high, high on the list of must sees for the season.
1: So the Schubert theater, a, uh, a, a Broadway institution with things such as a little night music, A chorus line, Crazy for You, Chicago, Gypsy, Spamalot, Matilda, Hello
0: Dolly, To Kill a Mockingbird. Are you Are you saying it doesn't house plays very often? Fourteen hundred and sixty seats. It's a lot of (laughs) seats. It's a
1: lot of seats. A lot of seats for an old book. Yes, but a new script. Yeah, who go who who goes because of a script? Me? Okay. Well, <laughs> you'll be sitting up front all by your lonesome. I think uh, this is a disaster in the making.
0: Mark my whoa. words. Whoa. Okay. All right. Putting it in the Schubert—that's a—that's a mistake. I need to I need to look up the la the, the grosses for the last few shows that Jeff Daniels has led because as much as we love Celia and Gideon and and Stark and Stephen McKinley Henderson and Latanya Richardson Jackson, um, he's gonna be the draw there. So I need to look at some of the last shows that he led, whether that was going back to God of Blackbird. Carnage or Blackbird, yeah, and that was with Michelle Williams too. But I think that the content of that show not being familiar to anybody, and then when people heard about it, knowing how difficult that is, that's a tough comparison. Um But it is fair. Yeah, that show didn't do terrible. It ran. It didn't close early, but it wasn't hugely financially successful. Jeff Daniels,
1: IBDB, stage manager, performer. Interesting. Yeah. He was the assistant stage, man- stage manager on Gemini in 1977.
0: Yeah, I used to see a lot of a lot of performers yeah. get some stage management. Uh, Richard J. Alexander famously uh, was a performer and assistant stage manager in, his, in, in Amadeus, I believe. So Gemini, 5th of
1: July, The Golden Age, Redwood Curtain, God of Carnage, and Blackbird. I
0: don't really think any of those were hard to get tickets. God of Carnage might have been, but he was one of three or four stars in that yeah. one, if I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So uh we'll see. Mark my
0: words here. All right. We'll All see. Right. We'll, see what, we'll see who Miss Cleo is uh is getting in touch with for this one.
1: Uh going head to head with the Ferryman which is the West End cast is set to reunite. F-
0: Reunite for Broadway Yes, another show coming to Broadway likely competing with Mockingbird for next year's Tony for the best play will be Jez Butterworth's The Ferryman and yesterday we learned that the vast majority of the cast from the West End production will be coming across the pond to stage the show in New York. Returning from the Olivier best play winning run will be uh, principals Patty Consendine, Laura Donnelly and uh, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly We will have the rest of the cast list in the show notes It's at broaderradio.com if you want to see that. The show will begin previews on October 2nd at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater. The ferryman is set in rural Northern Ireland in 1981. A very good year, if I do say so myself. Uh, The Kearney Farmhouse is a hive of activity with preparations for the annual harvest. A day of hard work on the land and a traditional night of feasting and celebrations lie ahead. But this year they will be interrupted a visitor. Now, James, you don't think that things are going to go well for To Kill a Mockingbird, but for The Ferryman, there is already a tremendous amount of buzz for this show, especially even looking, you know, 13 months into the future in terms of the Tonys.
1: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of buzz happening there, and the, uh, the Jacobs is a good theater for a
0: play. <laughs> We're going to hear about this one until November when this thing gets going. You're dying on this hill. That's right. Billy, don't be a hero.
1: Don't be a fool with your life. All
0: right. Uh, Terry Teachout
1: over in the Wall Street Journal writes, what's wrong with the Broadway musical?
0: I feel like this is kind of an extension of Jesse Green's comments in the New York Times that we talked about on yesterday's show. And they're not exactly the same. But I still have problems with them. Um, We'll have a a link to the whole article in the show notes, obviously. But in part, Terry Teachout wrote, quote, what I'm not seeing are consider are any considerable number of first rate, large scale Broadway musicals, the modern day counterparts of such beloved golden age shows as Oklahoma and Guys and Dolls. Instead, we are getting more and more of what I call commodity musicals, unchallenging confections like Mean Girls, Frozen and School of Rock that are more or less slavishly adapted From or slavishly adapted from Hollywood hits of the past in the hope of luring fans of those films to Broadway. Now, two things. I don't necessarily disagree that we aren't seeing things in the exact same vein as those golden age shows i I said it when i was in new york uh, in november that i loved hello dolly so much because there's so few things on broadway that are like that Uh, other than the occasional revival of those sorts you know i loved the 2011 anything goes revival we just don't see shows that fit that bill exactly anymore however my my main issue with this entire thesis that teach out you know supposes in his article is that if you're trying to judge the theater today by what was done in the theater five and Oklahoma seven, seven or decades. so decades ago I think that might be the problem here when you're talking about these big large-scale musicals We just don't do those anymore in terms of these, you know, original ideas. Those shows are Fun Home. Those shows are Gentleman's Guide. Those shows are The Band's Visit. Now, he does mention Hamilton quite a bit, talking about he loves Hamilton. He loves uh, The Band's Visit, loves Fun Home, praises those things, but says that those are different because they're not shows that necessarily originated on Broadway. They were done other places. And, you know, he has a lot of caveats in there. But I just feel like if you're looking at, to try to make direct comparisons from Oklahoma to something to date, you're missing the point if you're trying to draw that connection to Mean Girls, I think the better connection is from Oklahoma to a Hamilton or to a Fun Home, something that has a, a deeper substance but can still entertain. To me, Broadway does, and theater in general does not have to be everything to everyone. There can be shows, there can be subgenres in the theater, and, and especially on Broadway, which is, as Jesse Green kind of poked fun at yesterday, the national theater. There can be different things for different people. I loved Mean Girls. I really enjoyed Frozen. I was okay with with School of Rock, but I also love, you know, these other more artistic shows. There can be different types of things that appeal to different people. And I don't think that that necessarily means that the, the death of the American musical is upon us. I think that means that the, it's just opening its arms to invite more people in. So I, I know maybe the art more artistically sensitive uh, amongst us might disagree, but I don't see this as a bad thing other than to say that maybe some less artistic things are getting in and blocking the way for other shows but if we're talking about theater as a business, which it is, that ultimately is a good thing for everybody if shows are selling tickets.
1: I sort of draw lines between Oklahoma and perhaps uh, a show like Something Rotten. Sure. Oh yeah, that's a, that's yeah, uh, an original story. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And and but the thing is, is that Something Rotten uh, had you know a hard time to be a commercial success on Broadway. Uh, sure. And I thought it was a great show. I loved it. And I think it's going to have a huge future, but it was really, it's really hard to get a commercial audience to shell out big bucks to come see a show. I mean, you know, the exceptions to the rule have been the Hamiltons and the Dear Evan Hansen's yeah. Dear Evan Hansen, totally original. Uh, you, yeah. I think back, you know, in between Oklahoma and Mean Girls, I think of Evita. You know, uh, uh, as far as I understand, Evita was totally original uh, yeah. and was a huge finan- uh, a huge commercial success uh, as well as being a financial success. So I think that, you know, every couple of years,
0: somebody writes the Death of Broadway uh, column. And- yeah. in-, in fact, teach out – Admitted that he had written this column nine years ago, so yeah. he he admits that this is a cyclical thing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, Terry Teachout is a playwright. Write the show, Terry. Shut up.
0: All right. Yeah, I no, I agree, and and, and it is important to 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 say just so we're making it clear to everybody and i know you know this and, and i know this but neither oklahoma or guys and dolls the things that he is referencing were original stories in and of themselves yeah. of course uh, oklahoma was based on green grow the lilacs which was a play and i don't remember but the playwright's name off the top of my head guys and dolls was based on a collection of short stories a, a book uh by damon runyon so things as i've said before things are have always been adapted from other things and it's really in the execution and who the audience is is that determines whether or not something is a success as far as i'm concerned
1: if we go to the library and dig into the microfiche and look at the stories written in the days of oklahoma and guys and dolls i'm sure somebody is bemoaning the death of broadway as these classic <laughs> shows now are <laughs> were playing yeah. at
0: those times you know <laughs> do you um uh, I, I know our audience tends to be uh, of, of an older variety but do you want to explain what microfiche is to uh, people who might not know I do no, not. No, maybe not. Let's, let's yeah. Google that. Okay. Yeah, Google
1: that. <laughs> All right, Matt. What other news do you have for us before we head into the weekend?
0: All right, so just a few things that I want people to ponder or know about over the next few days before we're back. First, in an interview with Extra, Rosie O'Donnell said that she is working on a one-woman stand-up show with the intention that it would play Broadway and be recorded as a comedy album. Speaking of Broadway Returns, in a week and a half, the indomitable Kevin Chamberlain will be back on The Great White Way as the wonderful Wizard of Oz and Wicked. The three-time Tony nominee will join the show on May 22nd. A lot of that Wicked cast has been in the show for Getting close to a year now, so I would not be surprised if more casting announcements and changes are announced soon. Speaking of announcements and things happening soon, Hamilton will release a new block of tickets one week from today using the Ticketmaster Verified Fan Process. Those tickets will go on sale at 10 a.m. New York time. Registration for the Verified Fan conundrum or whatever it is, uh, will close on Tuesday at 6 p.m. New York time. So get your registrations in before then. Moving from the stage to the screen or from the screen to the stage to the screen, following cinema casts in the U.K., the West End production of An American in Paris, the musical, will screen in movie theaters across the U.S. on September 20th and 23rd of this year. The filmed version of the show will star the original Broadway stars Robert Fairchild and Leanne Cope. Check your local cinema schedules. For uh, availability there. And finally, James, I don't think you were on. I think this might have been a show I did with Julie. But if you remember a week or so ago, I talked about the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal was producing and starring in an upcoming biopic about Leonard Bernstein. Well, it looks like he's not the only Broadway alum looking to do that. As Deadline reported yesterday that Bradley Cooper is slated to direct and star in a competing Bernstein film. Cooper, in fact, will actually co-write the screenplay with Oscar winner Josh Singer. A few years ago, we had multiple movies about Steve Jobs released in fairly close proximity to each other, one written uh, uh, by Sorkin. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if one of these films gets shelved or if they both end up making it to the screen and what the separation is in terms of release dates are for both of those. But it should be fun. I would be interested to see um, the take uh, two very different takes on those from different people. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com.
1: None of these are going to make the Bernstein 100, are they? I mean, it's too soon. You know, it's not like – No, 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 a, a, no. It's not like a New York judge told them to
0: make it in 15 days. <laughs> No, they're they, 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 they are both very early in production, so they will not get done yeah. uh, in the 100th anniversary of his birth year now. Exactly. And every time you say verified fan, my eye twitches. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening <laughs> to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Don't forget to check out This Week on Broadway, where they're going to get you all the accurate rules for the Tony season.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that might not happen. This is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Uh, something might be in the in the feed on Saturday. I'm not really sure. But definitely on Sunday, this week on Broadway, with Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier and I will be there talking about the second half of the Tony nominations. And uh, if not, Matt and I will catch back up with you on Monday morning. Have a good one.